This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two, it's episode 64, Cubs Motown Madness. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and of course on Facebook, or email us, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Happy uh, midweek, Crowley. How you doing? And I, I got to tell you, you know, you'd think winning two or three would make me happy, but uh, I'm not there. Yeah, it was a little bit uh, rough. Madness is a, a good title for uh, episode 64 because it was a lot of madness up in Motown, especially uh, on uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, you know, it was it just you're sitting here, you look at all the numbers, you see what these teams are doing, and and, all, and the Cubs are just like barely surviving. Maybe what did they used to call the 83 Sox winning ugly? Yeah, I mean, it's boy, oh boy. Yeah, it was ugly for sure. No doubt about that. So let's uh, go through it, Crowley. Game one was on uh, Monday night. That was Javier Assad's game. Yep, yep, yep. And the Cubs got on the board first as the Pirate Air opened the door to a big inning. We talked about a good hitter, how good of a hitter Spencer Torkelson is, right? I mean, that guy was hot, and he was hot most of the series, but boy, he cannot field. I mean, with one out, Dansby walked and say a singled. Heimer Candelario hit one right to Torkelson, which would have been an inning-ending double play, but he didn't get his glove to the ground. It went right through the wickets. Dansby's going to score, and the Cubs would have runners at first and third. Then Alex Faseo went through a wild pitch to score Suzuki to make it two to nothing. And with two outs, Nick Magical doubled to put the Cubs up three to nothing. Seiya Suzuki later on would add a solo shot in the fourth. And, and, and Cub fans have to be feeling good at this point, right? Absolutely. You got to feel great at that point. No doubt about it. That's a good, good way to start it. And Seiya Suzuki is uh, keeping it going. So that, uh, that benching, if you will, really paid its dividends. Yep, and Javier Assad doing well, but in the bottom of the fifth, Dansby made an uncharacteristic error on a ground ball from Javi Baez. Assad then walked Zach McKinstry. He was able to get out of the inning, but I thought after that he kind of looked really shaky. Um, when he came out in the fifth, the ne next two batters he faced, Spencer Torkelson and Kerry Carpenter. I mean, those guys are just hitting bombs. They've hit, they had eight when the series started. I don't even know what they have now. Yeah, and but it's, not easy hit to hit a, it's not easy to hit the long ball in that park. No, no, I've been there. It, it, it's crazy big. And they hit back-to-back -back solo home runs and make it look easy. Um, and so the Cubs' lead was cut in half, 4-2. to two. Assad got one more out before top prospect Parker Meadows hit a single to end Assad's night. He went 5.1 innings, gave up two runs on five hits. But both of those runs, Dustin's, and three of the five hits he gave up came in that last inning of work. 
He walked two and struck out four, but I was happy with Assad's performance. Yeah, overall, it seems like he's still working into the role, if you will, trying to get in shape, kind of, you know, they like to talk about stretching a guy out. I think he's still getting stretched out and building up that endurance. So, yeah, overall, not bad. And just, you know, two bad pitches back to back to the two studs that uh, the Tigers do have in their lineup. Yeah. Now, Hayden Wesniski came into the game and Dustin, I was surprised, you know, this is, it's pretty early that, you know, after 5.1 innings, he, he faced two batters, got him out but he didn't leave him in there. You know what I mean? Right. Now, is that an issue? Kind of the same question, Crowley. Um, is there something to the fact that Wesneski has to be stretched out or put in, learn how to pitch in the situation? So this is a situation where I'd have to go back and check the box score. So he came into a game in relief. We know he's done that before. Has he come in, gotten the job done, sat down, and then come back out and had any success. Has he even done that? Or I, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. I would think he probably has, but I'm just, I, I'm with you. I was trying to figure it out and I don't know how to dig up. If there's a, if there's a stat or a metric out there for that, that's easy to find without me combing through every box score. So has he gotten the job done, sat and down, got back up and had success now. So if he's gotten the job done, sat down, come back in, and then not had success, maybe that was the reason why. Or if he's never done it, that could be another reason why. I don't see why it would be a big deal, but we've had it explained to us by people in the game that that could be an issue. You can ask Tommy Hadovy when he appears on the Mully and Haw show. Uh, at, what, Wednesday's at 9? Next week, every, every other Wednesday. So every other he, Wednesday. Wasn't on, he wasn't on today. He'll be on next week, yes. Right, I'd love to know because, you know, I mean, he's a starter Obviously, that wasn't a clean inning, but but there was nobody on when he came in. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he had a right, well, you know face. He, he, he got the yeah. job done. I just don't right. know if he's come out and then gone back in. That's what I'm wondering. Right, and I just can't see. Maybe maybe I'm missing something. I just can't see what the issue would be. Um, so, you know, that was it for him. Ian Happ hit a two-out triple and Cody Bellinger single to give the Cubs what would turn out to be an important insurance run because in the bottom of the inning, Michael Fulmer came into the game and Oof. he struggled mightily. That's as bad as he's looked in a long time. Probably since the beginning of the season. He gave up a double, a single, and a walk to load the bases with no outs. With Parker Meadow making his debut, Fulmer threw a 2-2 fastball that was clearly out of the zone, but the ump gifted him with a strike three call. So appreciate that one, Blue. But uh, one out, bases still loaded for former Cub Javi Baez now. Okay, the bases loaded was bad. This really wasn't Fulmer's fault. He threw one that sawed Baez's bat off, and it landed right on the foul line, scoring it two runs to make it a 5-4 to four game. He saw it off the bat. What, 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 is, what does Kumo always say? That bat died a hero? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not, not much you can do there. And then Zach McKinstry hit a weak fly ball that fell in front of Bellinger, and the game was tied. Baez's, quote, double had an exit velo of 80 miles per hour, and McKinstry's single had an exit <laughs> velocity of 74 miles per hour. Just some bad luck. Like I said, the bases loaded situation to load the bases, that was on him. But the, the runs that scored at, on the Baez double and the and the McKinstry single, I mean, I had just bad luck, you know? Yeah. But uh, Daniel Plancia came out. He hadn't pitched since August 13th with runners at first and second, no outs, and the game tied at five. He was able to get two strikeouts to end the threat. So that looked good. Absolutely. Palencia looked good. That was a good situation from him. Uh, just, it, it just, here's the funny thing. I'm just going to admit something. I didn't even admit this on the Mully and Haw show. I don't believe with that four, nothing lead early on and Assad cruising Crowley. I was almost a little bit bored because they were playing the tigers. It was a Monday. 
And I was like, well, this is really not that interesting. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll win this game. Okay. And then all of a sudden it got tight as heck. And, you know, I had to grab the uh, Pepto-Bismol, if you will, as we keep going through this thing. Oh, yeah. Down in it like like a shot, right? You got Absolutely. shot glasses of Pepto-Bismol. But with momentum on the Tiger side, Jan Gomes let off with a double. And somehow Nick Madrigal, on a ball that looked like was going to hit him, he basically was falling to the left when he hit this one. But it goes down the third baseline, and the Cubs retook the lead 6-5. to five. Madrigal would come around to score on an Ian Happ ground out, and the Cubs let 7-5. to five. Mike Leiter, Mark Leiter would close it out. He gave up one run on two hits, and the Cubs would win this one 7-6. to six. The offense scored seven runs on nine hits, four for 11 with runners in scoring position. How about Nick Magical going two for four with two RBIs? Seiya Suzuki had a solo home run. Dustin, Magical has slashed 298, 371, 422 since being called Beckham from Iowa with an 8.3% K rate. That's courtesy of our friend Alex Cohen down at the Iowa Cubs. I mean, the guy's done everything you could ask for. I mean, he's not a power hitter, but he's getting the job done. He is getting the job done. I have a feeling, you know, he might even make the hot list this week. We'll have to wait and see in a couple of segments. All right, so the Cubs are up one game to none. You had to suffer through that one. Then game two, you were, you were more concerned about this than I was, and I was wrong. Drew Smiley rocked in game number two against the Tigers. So I guess I, the question I had for people who told me, all right, Smiley's coming. I get it. Maybe he gets a little bit of rest coming out of the bullpen, you know, but I never saw anything that showed me that he was ready to be back as a starter. And, you know, the second batter he faced, Andy Ibanez hits a solo home run. So welcome back, Drew. He walked the next (laughs) batter, Spencer Torkelson. He throws up a wild pitch, gives a single up to Kerry Carpenter. and The Cubs were down two nothing. Now, on the top of the second, the Cubs had two on and two outs for Morrell, who continues to struggle as he struck out to end the threat. The Tigers added another one in the second when Parker Meadows singled. Zach McKinstry hit a ground rule double, and Meadows scored to make it 3-0 Tigers. The Cubs didn't have a hit in the fourth inning when Ian Happ lit off with a walk. Dansby Swanson's going to homer to put the Cubs on the board. And then Seiya Suzuki singled, and Jaime Candelario hit a majestic home run, pimped it out, and the Cubs were up 4-3. to three. Hooray, right? Hooray, and he uh, he definitely admired that one going out of uh, Tiger Stadium. Oh, yeah, and he knows what that's like. He's, he, he, he plays <laughs> He's done that before. a few times, yep, absolutely. But, you know, Smiley, Smiley gets handed the lead, and what does he do? He walks the first batter he faces, Parker Meadows. Zach Short would strike out. McKinstry would single, and then Matt Veerling singled. Candelario made a good play, but he should have pocketed it. He threw it away, and a run scored, and the game's tied at four. The next batter, Andy Abanez. The guy who hit the home run off him, the second at bat, you know, in the in the first inning, he gets a pitch in the same exact location. And guess what? Same exact result, a three-run homer, and the Cubs were down seven to four. Ridiculous. Yeah, at that point, I was really red ass Crowley. That that really, really bothered me last night. Uh, they did a great job um, breaking it down on the postgame on Marquee. And literally, they they showed it. It was the exact same location, both pitches that were jacked. And so the offense continued to straight back, uh, fight back for the Cubs. Talkman walked in the fifth, Horner popped out and half struck out. But Cody Bellinger doubled to put runners at second and third. Dansby Swanson would single, two more runs will score, and the Cubs were only down seven to six, but they wouldn't get any closer. Uh, the good, offensively, Dansby Swanson, big game, two for four with an, four RBIs and a home run. Candelario was two for four with two RBIs and a home run, and Seo was two for three. Hayden Wesniski went 2.1 innings and gave up only one hit. He struck out five and walked two, but the bad. 
Nico had an uncharacteristically rough day going 0 for 5. Ian was 0 for 4 with a walk. And Christopher Morrell was 0 for 3. I said give Morrell a rest. Made no sense when Magical was 2 for 4 the night before. Yeah, I agree with you there. And now we see that Hayden Wisniewski, obviously, if he went 2.1 innings in relief, he was able to get out of an inning. He sat down, he got back up, and he had success. But I wonder about going back to game one. We're going to have to dig deep on that. So game three, Crowley, the rubber match, just got done about an hour ago. It was an afternoon game, got delayed a little bit by some rain. Jamison Tyone throwing for our Cubs. Yep, good start to this one. Top of the second and one out, say a Suzuki doubles. Jan Gomes advances to third on a flyout, and Heimer Candelaria with another double to put the Cubs up one to nothing. Cubs weren't done scoring in the top of the third with one out. Nico singled, Dansby walked. Ian Happ would strike out, but Horner and Swanson would execute a double steal, and with two outs, Cody Bellinger would single to put the Cubs up three to nothing. Now Nick Magical would hit a two-out RBI in the fourth inning to make it four to one. Dustin, Mark Magical is hitting 345 with runners in scoring positions and two outs. That's pretty good. Now, the game's going great. Tyone is cruising. He has a no-hitter through five and only one walk, and that's where the nightmare begins. The first three batters reach to load the bases. He gets Riley Green to strike out. He gets Spencer Torkelson to fly out, and the run does not score. But with only one out left to get in the inning, Tyone falls behind Kerry Carpenter 3-1, to one, gives up a grand slam to tie the game. And, oh, my God, you want to talk about banging your head on the desk? That was me. Right. Literally and figuratively, maybe, depending on the time of day. Um, there's another op situation where you've got two guys in this lineup that can really hurt you. You got the one guy to pop out. You've got two outs and it ends up the worst possible outcome that could happen, happen with Kerry Carpenter. He hits a grand slam. The game's tied at four. Right. I mean, I, I honestly, there is nothing. I don't think there's anything you really could have done in that situation. It just, like you said, the worst possible outcome occurred, you know, it was, you know, you, I don't know if I would have done anything different if I was in that dugout. Um, you know, Kerry Carpenter hit one and nothing you can do, you know? Yeah, I guess. I mean, you could have walked him. You could have walked him and been down and been down uh what, four to two? I mean, Kerry Carpenter's good. He's not Barry Bonds. I don't know if the bases loaded walk would have been something. I mean, and especially that he got Torkelson out the the batter before. I, right. I, I, I mean, I'm sure that, that was yeah, I know. It just it, it it's easy to say in hindsight, but it was just very frustrating. Oh, absolutely. And in the top of the eighth with one out, Ian Happ reached on an error by Zach McKinstry. Cody Bellinger lined out. Saya drew a walk. And with two outs, Jan Gomes hits a single. Happ would score Suzuki to third, but Gomes was thrown out at second inning over. But at least they retook the lead five to four. And boy, has Jan Gomes been clutch, right? He, he, he seems to get hits in big situations late in games. Yes, sir. And then in the top of the ninth, Heimer Candelario walked. Chris Morrell, what a, how nice a little rest would do you. He's a pinch hit single. Magical bunted my favorite to advance. The I runners. was thinking of you when that play <laughs> happened, Crowley. I thought of you when that play was going on. Worked out this time. And Nico Horner hit a sack fly to put the Cubs, give the Cubs a little insurance. And the lead was now six to four. Alzlai gave up a walk and a single before getting Jake Rogers to strike out to end the game. And we could all breathe a little bit there. The Cubs offense scored six runs on nine hits. Gomes two for four with an RBI. One of the unsung heroes of this game was Julian Merriweather, who looked absolutely, fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. 1.1 innings and struck out three. Really needed him, and he came through clutch. And again, Tyone looked really good for five innings, and unfortunately the wheels fell off. But let me exhale for a second here because my heart is still beating from earlier today. Here is what David, David Ross said about Drew Smiley's outing. 
Okay. This is what he said afterwards. You know, I want to get to it in a second, but Dustin, this was supposed to be a stretch where the Cubs really made up some ground, right? They played eight games against three bad teams from the week AL Central, the Sox, the Royals, and Detroit. And they finished five and three. All right, what did you do there? You, you, you split a series and you won two series. You shouldn't be too upset about that. I don't know, man. I, to me, it just wasn't good enough, though, to go five and three against those teams. No, not good enough. Not good enough at all. And, and go ahead. Tell us what he said. I, this, this bothered well, me as well. You know, I'm looking at this, and, and Ross finally took my advice and gave Morella a day off. But if Ross wants a couple more pieces of advice, here's what you're going to do here. I cannot stress enough that Ian Happ needs to be moved from the third spot in the batting order. Okay. In the last seven games, he's slashing 208, 269, 375, no home runs, Dustin, and three RBIs. He was two for three with no homers and one RBI against the Tigers. That's just not good enough for a number three hitter. Okay. Nope. And not only this, Dustin, down two runs on Tuesday night and representing the winning run at the plate, guess who was sitting in the on-deck circle when Ian Hack struck out to end the game? Cody Bellinger, okay? <laughs> now, I, I, I've read Baseball for Dummies, okay? I understand that you want your best hitters to have the most at-bats possible. It is very clear that there are at least two hitters that are better than Ian Happ in uh in Cody Bellinger and Heimer Candelario. I don't get this. It makes no sense. Okay. The second thing, Dustin, that is just chipping my hide here is I don't want to hear about Drew Smiley getting any more chances. If you intend to make the playoffs, right? It's, it, 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 it's almost an automatic loss. And, and Dustin, you know, he was asked about it after the game. And this is what David Ross had to say about Drew uh, Swans or Drew Smiley's performance. Who takes a spot in the rotation? This is the question, right? He's in there because we're just a little short-handed right now. It's his first start back. Um, let's give him a, a little bit of grace, and and you know I don't know that we have uh, anybody waiting in line that we feel like is um, you know some dominant force. So we've got a we're, we're collectively as a group um, playing really good baseball. We fought our way back. Uh, and got really close there at the end. They got one more big hit than us early on, and, um, you know, we weren't able to get that. We got some big hits, but we weren't able to get that, that crushing blow to come back, and it's hard. You, you, you get a four spot and get four right back. Like, that can be crushing, and these guys fought hard back for the, for the rest of the game. So um, we keep playing baseball like that. We'll get better pitching. Drew's going to be better, and, um, yeah, we'll keep, keep going. Is he, Dustin? Is he going to be better? I don't know, but I would not give him the ball in a starting spot again. I put him back in the I would put him back in the bullpen crawley and next up for me it would be Hayden Wisniski getting a start. Well, that's my the, that's my opinion next time around. And he, listen, he, I'm also to blame, Crawley. I sat here on this podcast and I said I had no problem. If Drew Smiley was ever going to be given a chance, Crawley, it's against a terrible team like the Tigers while the Cubs are in playing meaningful baseball in August. And if he can't get it done, then you can't trust him in a bigger game. So he can't get it done in the starting spot. Now he here's goes what, to the bullpen. They here, need here's what, in the bullpen too. Here, but here's what I want to say here right there. And if you listen closely, he said, we don't have someone that can come in and, and, and give us a dominant start. I'm not asking for a dominant start. I'm not asking for Cy Young out there, but I'm asking for somebody that cannot give up six or seven runs every time out and completely burn the bullpen. And a name that, should interest you. Our friend Tommy Birch, he's been on the pod plenty. He noted that Jordan Wicks was scratched from his start in AAA Iowa today. 
non-injury related. So I don't know. We, we got the probables. We'll get to it shortly. But if you're telling me that Drew Smiley, I, I heard you on the Mully and Haw show this morning talking, was it 10 ERA and how many in his eight last eight last starts yep. or something? That That's unexcusable. And, you, and to sit there and be like, oh, we didn't get the big hit. Yeah, you got plenty of the big hits against that game. Drew Smiley kept giving up runs. And here's what Drew Smiley had to say after the game. If this doesn't sound like a guy that's mentally defeated, I don't know what is. I mean, yeah, I'd love to pitch better. Um, the team needs me. I need to pitch better. Uh, you know, it's these games should be fun and they, they're meaningful. And I just have to play better. Uh, yes, you do. You have to play better. And the Cubs need you. The fans need you. And you didn't get it done. The good news is the Cubs won two out of three and they go to Pittsburgh next. So for right now, uh, I'm going to get off it. I want to enjoy, I want to enjoy this. They have won (laughs) nine. They have won nine series since the all-star break. Okay. Tied with two other teams who have won nine series in a row. You keep, you keep winning series. You're going to keep playing meaningful baseball in from August into September, Crawley. So let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it for a couple of minutes anyway, but I understand I understand where you are coming from. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 64, Cubs Motown Madness. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviews Alex Cohen, play-by-play voice, for the Iowa Cubs to see if there's anyone in AAA who can help the Cubs at the big league level. Joining me on the Fly the W podcast, you recognize our old friend Alex Cohen, play-by-play voice of your Iowa Cubs. Alex, how's it going, buddy? It's going well, Crawley. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, you say uh, old friend. I definitely feel old right now. It's it's <laughs> August. It's game number 120 of the Iowa Cubs 150-game season. But, uh, yeah, doing pretty well. Team's 19 games over 500. They got some exciting players. And uh, glad, to have, uh, glad to come on with you. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, Alex, I, I was I was thinking about it today, and I'm like, man, you know, obviously, you, you, I know you pay attention very well to, you know, not just to the Iowa Cubs, but the big team and all the other yeah. minor league teams. But, you know, after that Juice Smiley start and, and just seeing the bullpen, you know, getting a lot of heavy usage, I just said to myself, you know, there's no one better to ask what's going down in Iowa who could help out rather than Alex. Yeah. And And sure enough, it was a crazy day on Cubs Twitter because two things happened and, and none of them – kind of came to the fruition that we thought it would. Uh, one of them was that Jordan Wicks was scratched from his start. So everyone's like, <gasps> and then the other thing was PCA was scratched, not in the lineup. And we all got super excited. Tell everybody what went down today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, the, the PCA one, first of all, I mean, uh, he's been here for four weeks. He's missed one game um, and that game he DH. So uh, just, you know, with a bus ride to a night game and then a day game, uh, just getting him off his feet. Um, getting an opportunity to come in as a pinch hitter, which if he were to come up in Chicago, that could be one of the situations that he's put in some is some experience coming in six inning as a pinch hitter. Um, I, I think that really helped for PCA. So that was scheduled for Jordan Wicks. It wasn't. I mean, he was scratched an hour and a half before the game. Um, and I think it was just to give some Cubs, give Cubs some options. Uh, if they want to start him uh, tomorrow or Sunday, they can do that. Uh, but also gives them the opportunity to to really assess where they're at. Um, and if you started Jordan Wicks today, you wouldn't be able to do that. So it just buys him a little bit of time. Um, I think there's a possibility that he could get called up, obviously, from a logistical perspective. But um, also, he might not. Uh, but I think now, you know, giving him the option, you know, obviously sitting him out on Wednesday, um, it gives you the opportunity to reassess where you're at with Drew Smiley, where you are at with the rotation, and where Jordan Wicks fits into the equation. 
Now it's funny because ever since PCA really started going through the system, I've been talking to Sam and, you know, Ben, uh, Max and BK. And, and then later on, uh, you know, talking with, with double a with Mick. Now you've had the PCA experience, man. So it's different because you guys see so many players come through. Yeah. What has it been like for you to see PCA in the time that you've seen him there so far? He's, um, He's lived up to the hype and then some. Uh, when a guy comes, you know, in your locker room, he's the number one prospect in the organization, number seven ranked prospect in all the minor league baseball. The expectations are very high, and he has surpassed every expectation. First 17 games on base in every game, 15 game hitting streak, longest for knockouts player in four years, and, and that's not even the best part of his game. I mean, he is a Gold Glove caliber, 80 grade defender in center field. Yeah, you know, I, I told a couple you know, people this when I went into the locker room, I think it was like the third day after you know, Pete Crow Armstrong joined the team. And I asked our pitcher coach, Ron Valone, who's you know, been in the big leagues for close to 15 years. You know, who does he remind you of? And Ron isn't one to really you know, put big labels on players like that. You know, they have to earn the all-star ranking, the prospect ranking. And he said, Alex, you know, I have to be honest. He reminds you of a mix between Andrew Jones and Kenny Lofton. And I'm just like, whoa. Like you're talking about the one of the best defensive center fielders of all time, you know, and Kenny Lofton, who's six time all star, four time gold glover. That's pretty high praise, you know, coming from somebody like that who doesn't throw labels on prospects like that very often. So the expectations were high and he has surpassed them. Uh, I feel like every game we get a web gem from Pete Crow Armstrong, uh, but just his ability on the base pass to go from first to third, where most people start at second, to stretch a, a triple into a you know, or a double into a triple when most people are stuck on second 99% of the time. Um, he's five for five in stolen bases. He scored a run in every game. I mean, he's just such a catalyst offensively when he gets on base. So um, he's the number seven ranked prospect in the organization, or seven, seven, number seven ranked prospect in all minor league baseball. I think he might be underrated. Wow. So, you know, taking a look here, I talked a little bit about the bullpen and kind of, you know, just really could use some some bodies right here. And, and so far, you, you got a couple of guys in there that had some uh, time in the big leagues that are rehabbing. Brad Boxberger, I know he made his second appearance, I think, yep. what, Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously going to take a little bit of time for him to kind of get going again. But what, what are you seeing out of Brad Boxberger so far? I mean, at least he has the ability to throw strikes. The control is there, just getting that velocity back up, that conditioning back up. I mean, it's 97 degrees in Indianapolis. So, uh, you know, tough for him to get on the mound for the second time in three months and really feel 100%. So I think it'll take a couple outings, but, yeah, you're not seeing a line where it's one inning, three walks. He's in and around the strike zone. He's just getting hit right now. The movement isn't quite there. The feel isn't quite there, and it'll, and it'll get there. So um, I think that – at least one step in the rehabilitation process. Sorry about that. Um, it's just for him to throw strikes, and I think he's been able to do that. You know, Nick Birdie's about to make his second appearance. Um, I mean, he's looked sharp coming back from an appendectomy. Sliders there. Fastball hit 100 miles per hour during his first appearance. So um, those two arms right there. I mean, you're looking for bullpen up in the minors. You have two major league rehabbers in Iowa that are on the cusp of getting back up to the big leagues. They should certainly help. Uh, it's good to hear because I was wondering, I thought that uh, Birdie was supposed to go yesterday and he didn't get into the game and I was kind of had an eyebrow raised, but it's, it's good to hear that uh, obviously that it, it doesn't seem to be a big issue. Not right now. No. Yeah. Now looking at uh, Jordan Wicks, we talked a little bit about him. I mean, it was really kind of a question, you know, there was a feeling when they expanded rosters that, you know, you're going to go pitcher position player that it would probably be either um, Ben Brown or it would be, 
uh, Jordan Wicks. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I know that Ben Brown's been out a little bit. Have you heard anything about Ben and how he's feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think Ben's in Arizona right now. You know, we're working back from a uh, you know, lower body injury. Um, he's somebody that I'm not sure if he's expected to miss the rest of the season, but he really got some great work this year. Um, hopefully he gets back uh, for the Iowa Cup stretch run and more importantly, the Chicago Cup stretch run. But um, he's in Arizona right now. And, and then Jordan Wicks. I mean, he's a guy over his last four starts, just uh, 225 ERA, opponents hitting 165 against him. Uh, changeups working well in his last start. He struck out a season I-7. Uh, so he's missing at bats or missing bats. And, you know, he's a guy that I think if you put him in the big league rotation right now, I won't say that you're not skipping a beat, but he's going to give you an opportunity to win every single time he gets out, whether that's, you know, four innings and three runs, five innings, one run. I mean, he's a guy who has the pitchability factor. He's smart. He knows how to adjust on the fly and he throws strikes. Um, so he's going to give you an opportunity to win. Now, two guys that, you know, I was – uh, you know, you know how it goes with prospects, but I was almost certain we're going to be up at some point in time, and, and Jeremiah was. But can you tell me what's going on with Jeremiah Estrada and Cam Sanders? Yeah, I mean, Cam pitched the other day and actually threw well. I mean, if you look at Cam's outings, it's you know one, two, three outings that are really, really strong in a row, and then one outing that he's struggling. So I'm still trying to adjust as a reliever. You see, the strikeout numbers are really high, the velocity numbers really high, the walks are really high. So um, it's essentially just trying to harness that 99 mile per hour fastball and know where it's going and being able to implement that with a cutter and a slider. So um, I think Cam is healthy. The stuff's there. The velo's playing. It's just, you know, being able to remain consistent. Um, and then Jeremiah Estrada obviously struggled in his last six outings with Iowa. He's back in Arizona uh, just trying to get healthy and trying to feel good about himself and trying to feel good about what he can bring to the mound. So, you know, hopefully we'll see Jeremiah not only back in an Iowa Cubs uniform, but back in a Chicago Cubs uniform soon. Uh, but I think he just has to get to Arizona and he got there already. Um, and just trying to reset and just trying to either get back into the pitching lab or, you know, go back and uh, just, just work on some things. You'll know, get to the grassroots of what was working before in the big leagues last year and how can he get back to that. Now, one guy that, you know, it's interesting because he played a, such a big role last year was Keegan Thompson. And it's obviously been kind of a wild season for him. What's, what's going on down with Keegan now right now? He's actually been really, really good over the last two weeks. You know, Keegan obviously got option to us at the end of May and then pitched with us for three weeks and put on the injured list for, I think it was four weeks, then came back, had two rough outings, and uh, the last four have been really good. Eight in the third inning, six hits, two runs, eight Ks, one walk. And, you know, the main issue when he was, before he got on the IL, he was walking a lot of guys, and that's not normally what Keegan Thompson does. That is not a characteristic uh, of Keegan, you know, all throughout the minor leagues and even in the big leagues over the last two years. So, being able to reestablish that control uh, when he went on the injury list, just able to get healthy. Remember during spring training, he was 91 to 92 miles per hour. Velo was down. Just being able to get strong, get healthy, put some weight back on. Um, I think he's looked really good. Um, and I think, again, over the last four outings, he's been able to reestablish that cutter against left-handed hitters, slider against right-handed hitters. And he's looking like the Keegan Thompson of old. I would not be surprised to see him back up at the big league sometime soon. All right, that'd be great. And, and, and another guy that, that recently was up in AAA um, is Luke Little. And and I always laugh, you know, when you when you got a name like Luke Little and, and you're 6'8", 220 pounds. Yeah, quite an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, when you think about the Cubs and what they're lacking in that bullpen and lefties, I, I mean, you know, how's Luke doing with the adjustment from AA to AAA? Yeah, his first outing, he struggled a little bit naturally. Uh, then his last two, he's been great. And especially his last outing, he was 
dominant. It was two innings, one hit, five strikeouts. And you see a 6'8 lefty that throws 95 miles per hour uh, with that long reach. The 95 looks like 98. Um, and the slider looks like it's 90, 90 to 92 plus, And it's probably 85 to 87. So it gets up on you pretty quickly. Um, Luke is a really talented pitcher. Again, 6'8 lefty already has an advantage. And throwing 95 and being able to locate it. Uh, if you look at his last outing, all the strikeouts looking, the hitters look baffled. Uh, that was as strong as a of, a, of an outing out of the bullpen that yeah, I've seen all season. So uh, I think that he has the stuff to get up to the big leagues. I think that he eventually will, whether that is September 2023 or you know May 2024, that remains to be seen. Now, obviously, you know, there, it, there was a big commotion and everybody was excited when Matt Mervis came up. And then, you know, obviously hitting in the big leagues is hard. No one's going to say it's not. Yes, but, it is. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he, you know, he's been down in Iowa and it seems like he's just kind of, doing what he did last year, which, which is, you know, hitting the ball and making smart decisions, taking his walks, you know, as far as it goes, you know, this has been just kind of crazy because, you know, you just had this bounce back from Cody Bellinger and then the fact that he could play first and Talkman came out of nowhere and and Mervis has gotten lost in the shuffle. But if people aren't paying attention to Iowa, they're missing that Mervis is still doing some special things. Yeah. Look at Matt Mervis's numbers in August. They are better this year than his numbers were last year when he was the best hitter in all of minor league baseball. All of last year in August, he had four home runs. He's had five home runs in his last 12 games. He's had an extra base hit in nine out of his last 12 games. If you look at the OPS in August compared to August last year, higher on base percentage, higher, more home runs, more extra base hits. So uh, Matt Mervis 2023 in August is a better player than Matt Mervis 2022 in August. He was a pretty darn good player back then, too. So um, I think that he's been able to adjust. He's gotten on base more. He's drawn more walks. And, and I think he's found a comfortable zone where he's not afraid to strike out. Um, but he's able to be aggressive. He's able to take walks. Um, it, it, it's controlled aggressiveness. I think he's been able to channel that during his last two months. Um, and he's looked really good. So, uh, again, five homers in your last 12 games. Uh, you look at the game that he had on Tuesday night in Indianapolis. He went two for four. He had a home run down the right field line at 112 miles per hour. And that was the third best ball that he hit all game. He had a 106-mile-per-hour line drive to left center field that was caught on a diving catch. And then a 394-foot fly out the left center field that would have been out in pretty much every other park in the International League. So um, he's definitely swinging the ball or swinging the bat well, um, and he's using all fields. So that's that's really helped him. Now, a, a, a guy that, that had a you know just a horrific injury, and now he's back in Iowa, Alexander Canario. I mean, it was him and Mervis last year that really led the home runs and all of that stuff, but it looks like uh, Alexander Canario is starting to find his stroke again. Yeah, 11-game hitting streak. He's over to back-to-back games. Uh, Alexander Canario last year was one of the most explosive, productive prospects in all of minor league baseball. You see the 37 home runs, but he also swiped over 20 bags. He had over 20 doubles. You know, Alexander Canario – they didn't even think he was going to play this year. You know, he had not one, but two really serious injuries that most people would have missed eight to 12 months. All he's done was come back from it in six months. And with Iowa in one month, he's average to run batted in per game. So just took him a little bit of time to get adjusted, but he is just barreling the baseball right now. Again, home runs in back-to-back games. He had three hits today. He had a double to left center field that he hit, I think it was 108 miles per hour off the bat. It's 380 feet on a line. I mean, he has power that you just don't see at really any level of baseball. He has four legitimate tools. He can play all three outfield positions. He can throw. He can run. He can hit for power. If he could somehow, some way, continue to hit 250, 260, he's a legitimate big league player. Now, you know, you had an interesting tweet the other day about Nick Madrigal. 
and, and how he's performed since he's come back from Iowa. What have you been noticing when you watch the Cubs and from what you saw of Nick Madrigal when he was in Iowa? Hits. I, I understand that he will not hit 10 to 12 home runs. I understand that he does not have a Manny Machado or a Nolan Arenado arm at third, but he makes every single play that you need to have made at third, and he's going to hit 280 to 300. There is value for that on a big league team. Now, is he going to start and hit fifth 162 games? Maybe not. But is he going to help you win games in September, possibly clinch a playoff berth? I think he does. Now, as far as as it goes, your season is coming again. All all of baseball is kind of coming close to an end, but you're you're really kind of coming close here. What needs to happen for the Iowa Cubs to make the postseason again? I uh, need 19 teams in the International League to lose. I uh, need <laughs> Lehigh Valley to go on a 10-game losing streak, St. Paul to go on a nine-game losing streak, and Worcester to go on an eight-game losing streak. Now, I mean, I, I just think that the I-Cups need to you know, keep swinging the bat well. I mean, they're a team that um, is in the top five in the International League in basically every statistical offensive category. Credit to John Maley for that. He's done a tremendous job with this team. But just continue to score runs and, and then just reestablish your starting pitching, uh, you know, with Ben Brown getting hurt and Jordan Wicks getting scratched. We've seen a lot of bullpen days, but to be able to get a starter every fifth, every sixth day that has been normalized in that rotation, whether it's Nick Nider getting Riley Thompson back, putting Chris Clark back in the starting rotation, getting Caleb Killian back, uh, whether, you know, what they decide to do with Jordan Wicks, just I think being able to have five or six starters instead of two or three starters at this juncture of the year, that'll really help. Well, Alex, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to make the postseason or not, but I will. I hope tell they you, do. I want to, I want to trip to Vegas. I'll tell you this, though. Every time Stu, William, Marty, the Salsa King, and myself have gone to Iowa, the Cubs have always won. We had a we had a opening, right. day, opening day massacre, and we were down yep. with the Salsa King uh, for the walk-off. That was Edwin Rios' walk-off. That was. Yeah, I, I see the screenshot of you guys jumping up and down in the left field skybox. <laughs> great. We're actually mounting that in the skybox, that picture right there, just the pure, unadulterated joy. You guys were, uh, you were a lot of fun. Well, you know what, man, I, I tell you, Iowa is just, it's, it's, it's really fun. It's fun to go to the games. You guys just put on such a great product. And, and not only that, you know, I, I love listening to your play by play. Do you have another marquee date coming up? We do. Uh, I believe it's September 14th, which is a very important date. It's the last day that I'm a 34 year old. It's the day before my birthday. So then, you know what, I'm going to have the marquee broadcast and then I'm going to run for president, you know, when I'm 35. So uh, we got go. a very busy, we got a very busy weekend. Very busy weekend. Well, Alex, I absolutely appreciate you jumping on and talking some Iowa Cubs. Hopefully, you know, one of the guys we talked about can really be a difference maker down the stretch. Where can people go to uh, follow you on Twitter? Yeah, uh, check uh, me out at, at Voice of Cohen 2. It used to be at Voice of Cohen. Then I got hacked. Elon didn't help me. So we're at Voice of Cohen 2. Uh, just check us out online at, at iowacubs.com, at iowacubs on Twitter, iowacubs on Facebook, at iowacubs on Instagram. Yeah, we have a lot of fun content, um, especially with Pete Crow Armstrong being here, Matt Mervis being here, Alexander Canario being with the iCubs. People care. Uh, when you have those prospects and winning baseball, it's a really good combination. So, and I, and I got to give you a hat tip. I thought that your your bobbleheads this year, I, and I'm probably like the only geek right now that cares about this, but I thought your bobblehead set this year was pretty smoking. Love it. That's going to be forwarded to the promotion staff right there. That go, little, go the Matt Mervis, the Caleb Killian, and the Brennan Davis. I mean, yeah, you know, th- those are good-looking right bobbleheads. The three-peat. Yeah, no, it's uh, they did a great job with it. Uh, we've had a really successful year with promotions and uh, just with you know, our atmosphere – 
at the ballpark, you know, we've had crowds of 11,400, 11,200, our largest crowd since 2019. And again, you combine that with winning baseball. It's, um, it's, it's been a really nice summer. We hope for it to continue. Well, Alex, I appreciate it. And, and, and everyone, I'm hoping, like I said, you can always catch the Iowa Cubs if you have the MLB package. It includes all the minor league games. And again, like you said, coming up on Marquee in September, the day before your birthday, can't miss TV. Alex, thank you so much for jumping on. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. This is episode 64 of season two of the Fly the W670 podcast. It's Cubs Motown Madness. And right now, Crowley, we are going to take a look at some uh, roster moves and begin to preview a Crowley favorite, a four-game series against the Buccos in Pittsburgh. Yep, yep, yep. And, and if you take a look at the standings, Dustin, right now, uh, the Brewers are on a, on a hot streak. They had a really tough stretch, and they've they've risen to the occasion. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 four-game winning streak. Okay? Yeah. The Cubs, unfortunately, I mean, they're right there with them, but they're six and four in their last 10. So they've lost some grounds. They're five games over 500 at, uh, in, in second place at 3.5. And luckily, the Cincinnati uh, Reds dropped one and have struggled lately. They've gone five and five. So the Cubs are half a game ahead of them. Uh, Pittsburgh is who the Cubs are playing next. They're 57 and 69. And they have their 8.5 back, but they're on a two game. They were on a two game win streak. I believe they lost today to St. Louis. And so St. Louis still in the basement. Funny to see Wilson Contreras getting ejected and drawing the strike zone for the umpire. Um, <laughs> looks, looks like, like, looks like the better team, better organization is doing real well for him. Yeah. The Cardinal the, way. What happened to that Cardinal way, Crowley? Right. When we look at the wild card though, the Cubs are alone in the wild card for second place in the wild card, four games, about three and a half games behind the Phillies. Uh, Arizona is right there with the Cubs, uh, statistically speaking. And then Cincinnati, half a game back, San Francisco, half a game back and Miami, a game back. So it is like too I many said, teams it, for me to keep track of Crowley, too many teams, teams for me to be scoreboard watching. Well, you know, it does make it fun, the fact that, you know, you can sit there and, and all these fan bases, you're talking about six fan bases have a chance to get in the postseason, um, you know, and, and four of those, you know, really maybe wouldn't have as much if they didn't have that extended postseason. So it's going to be one exciting run. And, and when you look at those wildcard teams and some of those teams in it, the Reds, San Francisco, Arizona, the Cubs are going to see plenty of them come the end of August and September. Yes, they are. No doubt about that. All right, let's look at some roster moves, Crowley. Yeah, you know, there wasn't any real roster moves, but Brad Boxberger pitched 0.1 innings of work on Tuesday for the Iowa Cubs. He gave up two runs on two hits, one K. He threw up, he threw 23 pitches, 13 four strikes. Um, now, Nick Birdie was also scheduled to pitch Tuesday, but he did not appear in the game. So that's something that has me uh, a little bit puzzled, but hopefully um, nothing wrong there. Brandon Hughes reported no issues after throwing a second bullpen session on August 21st. So right now we're just, like I said, waiting for the, the cavalry to arrive and hopefully help out a very depleted bullpen staff right now. Absolutely. Uh, we could get some help. We'll see. And then also there's the report that you mentioned in the first segment, right, about Jordan Wicks. Right. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm really like I said, we got the probables. But here's the thing about probables until, you know, I mean, you still can change it up to the day of. So I'm hoping that that that's something that that changes. All right. So speaking of probables, those probables would be for the series coming up starting on Thursday against the Pirates. How about this, Crowley? The Cubs are six and oh so far against the Pirates this season. 
So far, so good. But the only month they played him in was June. Three at home on June 13th through the 15th, and then at Pittsburgh June 19th to the 21st. Uh, on the 19th, the Cubs and Drew Smiley beat Osvaldo Bito eight to nothing. Remember when Smiley was good? All right. I was going to say, was that Smiley's last win? <laughs> Mike Talkman went three for five with three RBIs. Nico Horner drove in two runs. On the 20th, Marcus Stroman, remember him? And the mm-hmm. Cubs beat Pittsburgh four to nothing. Mike Talkman and Tucker Barnhart, remember him? They both homered. And on the 21st, the Cubs completed the sweep with an eight to three victory. Kyle Hendricks picked up the win. Rich Hill charged with the loss. Horner had a two-run triple and a solo home run. Ian Happ had a two-run double. But the team is going to look slightly different than the one the Cubs faced in June. Obviously, the Cubs uh, now have Heimer Candelario in the lineup. Uh, Tucker Barnhart gone. Eric Hosmer Hosmer gone. You have uh, Trey Mancini gone. And the Pirates, they dealt Rich Hill and Jinman Choi to the Padres. We won't see those guys. Austin Hedges went to the Ragers. Rodolfo Castro went to the Phillies. And Carlos Santana was a good pickup by the Brewers. So thanks, Pirates. The Buccos <laughs> currently have a 57-70 and 70 record. They took two or three from a bad Cardinals team this week. They did lose the finale today, 6-4. to four. All right, so tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, if you will, the uh, Buccos and the Cubbies, and we've got our ace, Crowley. Game one, Justin Steele against uh, TBD. Yep, the legendary TBD. So I don't know what the Pirates are doing with their staff right now, but Justin Steele just keeps on winning. He's 14-3. and He has wins in two of his last three games and a no decision. Against KC, he picked up the win. Uh, He gave up two runs on six hits. Against Toronto, he gave up three runs in five innings on six hits. And against Atlanta, 5.1 innings, gave up three runs on eight hits. All in the last three games, he has seven strikeouts in each of those games. Zero walks against KC, zeros against Toronto, but he had four walks against Atlanta, and that's a really, really good team. So hopefully uh, not a big deal, but we don't know who the Cubs are going to face. Last I checked, it, there hasn't been any updates on that, and it still is TBD. So, you know, who knows what they're doing right now? That's kind of one of those things when you're a team that really does is out of it, you you have more flexibility to kind of play around, you know? Yep. All right, so game two, Kyle Hendricks, who uh, despite putting a lot of guys on base, having a lot of traffic, if you will, uh, always the king of soft contact, he has been getting the job done overall. Yeah, you, you know, it's 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 just a good, solid, back-of-the-end rotation starter. Uh, he has one win in his last three starts, also against KC, 6.1. He gave up one earned run on five hits. Against the White Sox, he went six innings, gave up three earned runs on seven hits, four strikeouts, two walks. That's the traffic you've been referring to. And then the Mets, he went five innings, gave up two earned runs on five hits, two walks, six Ks. So he's been really solid. You just hope that he can kind of keep it going. Keep it going is what we hope for. What do we know about uh, Mitch Keller? He's got 10 wins. That seems like a lot for a Pirates team. Yeah, Mitch Keller is really one of their best pitchers out there. The kid, like you said, 10 and 8. In the last three starts, he has one win. That was against Minnesota. He went six innings pitch, gave up two earned runs on seven hits. 12 strikeouts against the Twinkies, Dustin, against one walk. So, wow. Yeah, Twins Um, are a pretty good baseball team. The Reds, he went... Six innings, gave up one run on five hits, seven strikeouts, three Ks. And against Atlanta, he went five innings pitch, gave up three earned runs on nine hits. So it's it, the Cubs have their work cut out for them in this one. 
Yep, but I like the fact that they've got the professor on the hill. So I see game three. The Cubs have a pitcher, but we're back to uh, TBD as far as the uh, Pirates go. Yep, TBD as far as the Pirates go. So you do have Javier Assad, who has just been a, a, a very solid pitcher, which is what you've been at, you know, what you needed. He's really helped ever since Stroman went down. Um, he does. He has one win in his last three starts. He did not get the win in Detroit. He pitched 5.1 innings, gave up five hits, two earned runs, got the no decision, but that wasn't his fault. Against the White Sox, he went six innings, gave up uh, four hits, two earned runs, but didn't get the win, not his fault. And then against Toronto, he got the win, seven innings pitch, four hits, one earned run, his best start of the year. Absolutely right. So without knowing who the TBD is, I'll take our, I'll, I'll take the Cubs' chances in this game as well. And then we get to game four. And as you said earlier, it's just a probable. So we'll see if the Cubs give the ball to Drew Smiley, if they give it to Jordan Wicks, I guess, if they give it to Hayden Wisniewski. Uh, guys, you know, here, here's the thing. When we get these probables, there's different types of ways to get the probables. There is There are certain websites that kind of say where people should be on the rotation. And then other times when we look at the probables, we get them from the Cubs. This is straight from the Cubs. So Drew Smiley is scheduled to pitch the last game. And does that mean he's going to? Of course not. But after that performance right now, 3.2 innings against Detroit, giving up eight hits, seven earned runs, giving up the long ball all over the place. I, I, I'm just, I don't know how they could give the guy another start and, and look at the rest of the players in the face and say, we're trying to win that, that to me just makes no sense at all. No, not, not a whole, not a whole heck of a lot. That's, that's I mean, sure. you're, you're looking here, Dustin against Detroit. He gave up seven. Who would runs. you, who would you start? Who would you start? On I would start Jordan Wicks if I had the opportunity, all but right. Right. you'd uh, go Wicks. You, I'd go Wisniewski. We'll but I'm looking to do either of those two things. Right. I'm looking here against Detroit. He gave up seven earned runs. His last start was August 7th. He gave up seven to the uh, Mets. He gave up five to the Reds. I mean, the guy is just literally getting hit like a pinata and, and it just can't keep happening. All right. Uh, now we look at uh, a lefty going for uh, the uh, Pirates. So I guess uh, Seiya Suzuki will definitely be in the lineup for that one. We probably won't see Talkman. Uh, but this uh, Bailey Falter is uh, one in seven, Crowley. Yep, one and seven. So you, you know, th like I said, this is this is a crazy one because I just don't believe they would put True Smiley out there. I really don't. Um, against in the last three games, he has one win and two no decisions. He his win came against St. Louis. He went six innings, gave up three hits, one earned run. He had eight strikeouts to two walks. Before that, against the Mets, he went five point one innings, gave up only one earned run, five strikeouts and one walk. And then against Atlanta, he went four innings, gave up four earned runs on eight hits. So this is a guy that's been pitching better as of late. So obviously you look at the win-loss, you look at the ERA. Um, he was out for a little bit. He was in um, in the minor leagues for a little bit. He was traded. He, was, he came over in a trade. So he's a guy that's kind of had a uh, – he was with the Phillies previously. And so the Phillies traded Rodolfo Castro to get Bailey Falter. And so, you know, he's in a new team. Uh, really kind of, you know, not sure what to expect from him. We'll see what happens. We will see. All right. So we went through the pitching matchups, at least what we know. Now let's go hot and not. And Crowley, my guy, Nicky Madrigal, not making the hot list. Well, the only reason we didn't put Nicky Magical on the hot list a little bit, it really doesn't have to do with, with that. It's just at bats. I'm looking at at bats. Um, with Seiya Suzuki has 20 at bats. He was nine for 20 in that. And he was phenomenal. Two home runs, 
three RBIs. He is slashing 450, 478, slugging 800. Jan Gomes in 15 at bats, he's six for 15 and uh, slashing 400, 436, 523. And then your guy, Nicky Madrigal, he's only had 10 at bats, but four hits in those 10 at bats. Uh, he has a couple doubles, three RBIs, slashing 400, 400, slugging 600. And then Heimer Candelario, you could put in there five yep. in his last 20, you know, so with a home run and four RBIs. So, uh, you know, really right now, Gomes, Magical, and Candelario would be your hottest hitters. All right. On the not side, we knew Christopher Morrell would hit this not list, but uh, Dansby Swanson hitting this list once again. Yep. He is four for his last 21. Hopefully he's coming out of it. He has a home run and four RBIs. He had that big game. Uh, it was the second game of the series, um, but he's slashing 190, 292, 353. And then when you take a look, Christopher Morell, like we said, one for his last 16 with an RBI. Um, so slashing 0. 0.063, 0.118, 0.063. I, I, would, I would give Nick Magical another start personally. All right, let's give him another start. I'm fine with that as well. All right, Crawley, who's the guy that uh, Cub fans need to be paying attention to when they're at the plate? Yep, we've been all too accurate on this lately, Dustin, but um, the guys that I'm a little nervous about are names that are familiar to Cub fans. Connor Joe is six for his last 16 with no home runs, four RBIs. He's slashing 375, 524, 688. The other guy to kind of keep an eye on is Andrew McCutcheon, who's eight for his last 22 with three doubles, two homers, and seven RBIs. He's slashing 364, 391. He's slugging 773. Wow. So just kind of really be careful with that guy. All right, Jack Sawinski, a local guy on the not list. Yep, Jack Sawinski is 0 for his last 11. No home wow. runs, no RBIs, and he's not hitting at Wrigley. So he's slashing zero. 214 and slug in zero. Joshua Palacios, right fielder, struggling as well, too, for his last 19 with one homer and five RBIs. He's slashing 105, 190, 316. All right, prediction time. I will go first this time, Crowley. I'm saying three out of four. That's not bad. I take that and uh, have the Cubs come home after winning three out of four in a great position to face off against the Brewers. You talk about a series that you can't wait to get here next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at Wrigley. Oh, God, I'm nervous. I'll be there Monday. It's going to be wrestling night. There's going to be a Clark Hulk Hogan bobblehead. <laughs> Hulk Hogan bobblehead. So I, I saw am, that. made me laugh. I'm jacked up about that one. But I'm telling you right now, this is, a, this is so crazy because we have two TBDs and we have a guy that I'm not 100% positive is going yeah, to game, start game, game four, four. Game four may as well be TBD on the Cubs side at this point. Right. So at this point in time, I mean, if, if everything stays as is, if Drew Smiley makes that game four smart – Start, I have the Cubs winning game one and three and losing game two and four. If, the if. pessimist, Crowley the pessimist. If, if Jordan Wicks or Hayden Wesniski get the start in game four, I have the Cubs taking three of four. All right, three of four for us then. We're going to go three for four. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen down, review, review, and don't forget the most important part. Subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on all the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, Instagram, and you can email us, flythew670 at gmail.com. And Crowley, they can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, enjoy the weekend. I know it's four games. You hate that. You and I will get back together uh, Sunday or early Monday and preview that uh, Brewer series and wrap up the Pirates series. It's going to be crazy. And right now it's time to go to the Steel City and get some W's. Go Cubs! It's all over. It's all over.